Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. One of the toughest things a family can go through is having a child that's sick and particularly if it's over a long period of time, like as well as the incredible emotional toll that it can take, there's obviously the huge financial aspect to all of this and it's often one that isn't considered unless you're going through it yourself. Like if parents miss work, even sometimes give up their jobs to take on full-time care and duties and being sick itself can be expensive. So does there need to be more financial supports given to families with sick children? Seamus Beasley's with us on the show today. Seamus, tell us your story. My son, Podrick, was diagnosed with uh, neuroblastoma in May of 2016. It's a form of childhood cancer. So um, within the space of maybe five or six days, uh, both myself and Maeve were working previous to that. May have had to give up her job. We were in Temple Street for a week. Then we were transferred to Crumlin and it was full-on treatment after that for about 18 months, meaning that um, <clears throat> obviously Maeve would have been with Podrick most of the time. I was at home. I was trying to hold down a job, so I was probably at best working two weeks out of every month because we were travelling to Dublin. We'd get home from Dublin. We'd have to go to Tralee for a week on antibiotics because Podrick's bloods would have dipped due to the chemo and stuff like that. So um, it was just full on basically after that, yeah. What age was Podrick at the time? He had just turned five when he was diagnosed. And had he been sick prior to that, Seamus, at all or...? Um, about maybe four or five days prior to us taking him to the doctor, we noticed a little bit of swelling around his left eye. And when that hadn't gone down, we took him to an out-of-hours doctor on a Saturday evening. They sent us straight to our local hospital, Tralee. We had an uh, MRI scan on the Sunday, and they found a mass behind his left eye. So it was straight to uh, Temple Street then. Mm. So they did um, They did a full body MRI in Temple Street on the Monday and that's when they found another tumour on his um, adrenal gland and it was straight to Crumlin uh, then to start chemo and whatnot. Prior to all of that, I mean, he was just, as you said, you know, aside from the the, the, the lump that you noticed or the swelling around his eye, like it was yeah. just normal. No, he was perfect. Four he years. was in school yeah. running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was... He was in great form, you know, playing with his bodies yeah. and stuff like that. And just, in, like I say, in the space of maybe seven, eight days, everything everything changed. When you got that news, Seamus, yourself and Maeve, I mean, it must have it must have just floored you that day hearing that. Absolutely. I still can't put it, put it into to one single word, you know what I mean? It's devastating, it's heartbreaking, it's... You're helpless. What can you? What can you possibly do? Like only, only be there for him, you know. So up to Dublin, travelling from Kerry, um, you did the stint initially, like in in hospital, I suppose, and and then it was back home, and and there was over and back yeah. to Tralee, and and how long did that go on for, Seamus? Um, at the start, Podrick's initial uh, treatment was scheduled to last maybe around eighteen months. 
but he was slow to to to, to clear all the all the cancer. So maybe it lasted about two years. So you had like trips to Dublin once a month. That would be seven or eight days. You'd get home to the stall. You'd probably be at home for twenty four to forty eight hours before um, you'd notice that his bloods would be dipping. He'd be he'd be neutropenic, open to infection and stuff like that. So. Uh, you'd have to go to the local intranee to be put on antibiotics for between uh, five to seven days just to make sure that he, he wouldn't pick anything up that would be life-threatening to him. Like, and I'm sure when you're go- travelling up and down from Kerry to Dublin at the time and in the first, you know, couple of trips up and down, Seamus, I mean, the cost of this and the time in Dublin, it, it probably doesn't enter your head. But at what point do you start or did you start to notice the cost? Like, because that's a very real impact in all of this. It is, yeah, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Well, like you say, look, the first maybe month or so, you're just, your head isn't thinking at all, basically, do you know what I mean? And, you know, you have a lot of family and friends around the place and they're helping you in every way they can. But when you kind of come come back to, to um, reality, I suppose, you know, you're talking... Diesel alone was probably costing 100, 120 euros up and down, and only only one parent can stay with the child on John's ward, so the other parent would probably have to get a hotel or a B&B or something like that. You know, you're you're eating in the the hospital canteen, which can be fairly fairly dear at mm. times, and you know everything everything does add up. Your your down one income because Maeve has has left left work because of it and um your outgoings are probably doubled in. Maeve was a teacher, is that is that right? Yes, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah, yeah. That's right. So I mean, you know, it it's 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 just not it's just not viable. Like you you just can't sustain it. How many years, Seamus, you know, overall did did all of this did it continue? Um it was roughly maybe six and a half years. And during that time, was there any help for you and Maeve? Um, there was, yeah, yeah. Um, Kina's uh, foundation there in in Limerick were very helpful to us. Uh, I suppose about maybe four to five months into the into Padraig's treatment, um, our social worker uh, came into the ward one day and said, "Look, there's there's this foundation here who." Are, willing to help you and she just gave us some forms to fill out and like we just signed them and gave them, gave them back to Mary and I think it was maybe four or five weeks before Christmas this check landed in the door to us and we were we were so grateful like we were we were signing so many forms in between consent forms for operations and treatments mm-hmm. and what we had kind of you know never even gave it a, gave it a second thought so when it came it was it was absolutely massive for us you know well, it's in many ways, I suppose it helps, Seamus, where, you know, one income is effectively gone in the family, maybe yeah. a step back from, from day-to-day teaching. So, you know, like, it, there's all, all, unfortunately, all the bills, the mortgage, everything stays the same. It does, yeah, it does, absolutely. It does, and look, some, some bills are double, like I say, um, one father got sick, we only had one car because Maeve was working locally, but once that happened, we had to get a second car. So you're running the second car, tax insurance, wear and tear on the car, everything like that, you know. 
what could have helped Seamus Ewan Maith um, with Podrick at the time? I mean, looking back on it now and for other families. I don't know if there was maybe some kind of tax relief or something like that, or I don't know if you had paid so much um, PRSI stamps or something that could help you to draw something, or I don't know, you know, there just has to be something done government side of it because like there's no way that a family can keep going without help from someone you know because it's just relentless I know we had great help and support with the uh, Cleona's foundation but like, it's it's something that never crosses people's mind and until it unfortunately lands at your own doorstep no like I say we had never even heard of Cleona's until our social worker came in and told us about yeah. it now look we know them. We know them well now. In fairness, because you know, um, after they after they helped us out, we have tried to kind of help them out as well with you know fundraisers or shaking a bucket for them or doing whatever. And um, there was a, a program made called Ireland's Forgotten Families, right, and yeah. we were one of, one of the four families that featured on that. So I just ask any of your listeners today that haven't seen it to check it out on cleanas.ie and just see what families have to have to go to and how Keen has actually helped them. I used to often think, you know, uh, it's not the same situation, but even when my own dad was sick, um, Seamus, and even my mum was down from Donegal and basically living in a hotel nearly in Dublin for about six weeks. And yeah. Like, I used to think then when you were in and out of the cancer wards and the hospitals in Dublin, when I'd see young families and probably young families very similar to, to your and Maeve's situation. And, and yes, I of course, yeah. used to always think, like... You know, like my dad was older and, and that, you know, but how how families can basically af- afford to have some have a sick child because it it is so costly and it's it's the taxis, it's eating in Dublin, it's lunch, it's mm-hmm. finding somewhere to stay. Like there's a huge financial toll and what is an already extremely emotionally charging time. Yeah. Well like even even like you say, taxis they are now most of the time um, with cancer patients, unfortunately, when they are on strong chemo and stuff like that, you kind of can't mingle with anyone in public. So it's all you have to be driving your own car. You know, you have to basically stay away from crowds, from meeting people, stuff like that. So it's 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 a pretty a pretty lonely place as well. Like you know, this was absolute devastation struck Seamus for yourself and Maeve earlier this year. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Padre passed away on the 6th of January this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. How are you doing, Seamus? Look, just, I don't know, you just try and get on with it day by day. It doesn't get any, any easier. You just have to, you just have to try and make it a new, a new normal, only that's all, and just get on with it. And very difficult because obviously, so much of your own time and sure as you mentioned Maeve had you know left work and everything and caring for Patrick yeah. like it's yeah, yeah, yeah difficult to find a yeah, new routine because yeah. every every waking moment was kind of spent with him do you know yeah. what I mean and thinking how he is and stuff and now look every waking moment is still spent thinking about him I too know. like do you know what but you know it is it is tough going alright but look not every story f- finishes like ours you know there are happy happy stories as well so I don't want to be frightening parents who are just acting their no, journey right now you know 
But I, I did want to ask how, always you, hope there. how you were doing, you know, and it's obviously yeah, so course, raw yeah, at this yeah. stage, you know, and yeah. Uh, thinking of you, thinking of you both, I know it's incredibly difficult. But you, you do, I suppose, want to share, and the reason you're sharing some of your story um, with people is that it's a. Well, if people can consider um, the Clana Foundation and and in calling for greater supports, I suppose, really for parents. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that cleaners have. Um, when when we got help from them, it was fifteen hundred euros. Now they have up that to two thousand five hundred. I know that they they want to give more, but unfortunately, these times, you know, there's more and more people applying for help from them. They try and help as many people as possible, but if they don't have the money coming in, unfortunately, they can't give it back out. So, if anyone out there is willing to help out cleaners, do a fundraiser for them or anything at all just get in get in touch with them and you know even if the government would help out in some way wouldn't it be fantastic to to ease it on some of the some of the parents going through what we've been through and there is the cancer society Irish cancer society as well but but this is a separate foundation that that was set up yes well entirely clean as will will help out it need it needn't be cancer it could be it could be any any illness you know so that's where that's where cleaners will step in and, and help out. Seamus, mind yourself. Thank you for joining okay. us today. Thank you very much, Andrea. Yeah. Bye. Uh, lunchtime live at newstalk.com is the email address if you want to get in touch with us about that um, it's even more messages coming into other families in very similar position there to Seamus and Maeve might come back to it um, a little bit later too on the show Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan weekdays at midday on News Talk. Earlier, I was chatting to Seamus today on the show about what his family went through um, and what they're even still going through as well. You can you can't help but feel for people, you know, in that situation where they have a child sick, particularly over a long period of time. And we were just chatting about, you know, the cost really of having a sick kid. And um, particularly if some family members have to give up work to be the, become the full time carer, and that is that is often the the reality. Of what happens? Uh, Susan got in touch with this as well. Susan, you wanted to share your story. Hi, Andrea. Um, I my family were one of the families helped by Cleanas Foundation um, back in 2015. Um, my daughter Olivia was um, became suddenly very unwell back in December 2013, um, and we discovered within a hour period that she had um, a very rare liver tumor um, along with internal bleeding and she was in she was in big trouble and we needed to get her from hospital in Cork up to Crumlin um, which we did literally overnight in an ambulance and then a very rocky and stressful road for the next almost four years with with Olivia between Crumlin and King's College Hospital in London so we reached out to Cleanas maybe about two years into Olivia's diagnosis um, simply for the fact that we were broke. We actually couldn't maintain the level of finances that we needed to keep caring for Olivia, to keep going up and down to Dublin, um, keep travelling to the UK. I had had to give up my job overnight. Um, my husband Colin was at home with our son Christian and literally our family was just carved down the middle and we went to being a dual income family um, to being a single income family living in two separate places. So um, Cleanas 
came to our aid and, and we received a cheque from them. And I I stayed, I was so grateful for that. I'll never, ever forget it. And I stayed in touch with, with Terry and Brendan Ring, the founders of Tina's Foundation. And then a couple of years ago, they asked me if I would come, come onto the board just to represent the families, which um, I'm delighted to do. So I suppose I'm speaking to you in, in dual capacity today, mm. Andrea, as, as a parent of a child who's received the help and thankfully my daughter Olivia is doing really well now um, and also as a voluntary member along with the rest of our board we're all volunteers uh, for TNS Foundation. In in terms of the supports what's missing um, Susan in in, in your eyes? Honestly everything (laughs) everything Um, like you don't you don't get any help you know Um, it's it's a shock your world is turned upside down you know, you can't plan for this because you don't, you don't, obviously you, you can't navigate it or, or understand it because you've never been there. Um, and you just, nothing prepares you um, emotionally or financially. So you're just left with, you know, we live in Cork and all of a sudden it was, you know, I had to literally, you know, move up to Dublin with Olivia and then subsequently, very soon after that, it was like I had to I had to move to London effectively for the best part of four years. So, you know, even existing, you know, even on the bare minimum, you know, just trying to eat in the hospitals or trying to, you know, get to and from the hospital appointments. Like Olivia was really, really unwell, obviously. So, you know, we were flying over and back to the UK often at, the, you know, the drop of a hat and, and then having to get private taxis to and from Heathrow to King's College. It just kept mounting and your bills keep coming. Um, so there's no government support. The only thing that is there, and I, and I don't want to be dismissive of it, is the treatment abroad scheme. And we're very grateful for that. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, and without that, you know, Olivia wouldn't, wouldn't have had the care under the NHS in King's College Hospital. But that's where it stops. You know, there was nothing else after that. So, you know, you find yourself, you know, on... on you know, say dual income, managing, you know, doing okay, keeping your head above water. All of a sudden, the rug's pulled out from under you, and and you're, you know, my job. I just had to, you know, didn't even, didn't even figure in the, in the equation of what was going on. It wasn't important. I I had to give up my job straight away, and then the impact on Colin as well because he was, he was trying to do his job as but you know as much as he could, but he was having to take time off to look after Christian and and keep things going here, and obviously trying to fly over to spend to see Olivia, especially when she'd had major surgeries and she was in ICU. You know, of course he needed to be by her bedside. So then neither of us were earning money. So, like, it just it, it, it just beggars belief the amount of money that it costs you. And, and you shouldn't have to think about these things. You know, your your child is fighting for their life and, and you're separated from your, your other child and your whole world has fallen apart. And then, then you get letters and phone calls from your mortgage company um, from your utility suppliers and you know even bearing your soul and telling them what was going on um, it, it really made little or no difference you know getting the pressure the financial pressure was, was horrendous um, we actually came close uh, you know about three years and we came close to losing our home like it, it, and season. that's the reality yeah that's the reality like it's, it's, it's horrendous and that's why you know I speak out on this subject whenever I get the opportunity because people aren't aware and, and you don't want them to be aware. You don't want anybody to be in the situation that we've been in. You know, thankfully we're we're lucky. We've come out the other side of it. 
But, you know, there are 400 families every year, Andrea, that get this shocking diagnosis, you know, that their child is terminally or critically ill, you know, with a life-threatening illness. And, you know, at any one time in in Ireland, there are 4,000 families in that situation. That's a lot of people who are struggling to literally, you know, never mind get up every day and put one foot in front of the other and and hope to God their child's going to be okay. But then you have all of this financial pressure. Um, You know, even the cost, travelling up and down, petrol, tolls, parking, it runs into thousands at the end of each year. And, you you know, you can't say, okay, we're going to be fine at the end of this year. You know, um, for us, it was just short of four years. Thankfully, Olivia still has medical conditions, but they're manageable now. They, You know, thank God. But, you know, and I met so many families, even just in King's College Hospital, I met so many families from Ireland, um, other families from Cork, families from Offaly, um, Wicklow, Dublin, you know, families who were in the same situation as us and found themselves in King's College Hospital, you know, with their child fighting for their lives. So it's... It's very it's stressful, just, Susan. It's, it's, it's unbelievably so, Andrea. It's, it's a nightmare. It really, really is a nightmare. Things are... Much better now, though, on a on a positive note. Yes, yeah, things are much better. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I mean, Olivia yeah. is doing really well. You know, she has regular appointments and scans and things. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you it is always in the back of your mind that you know, you know, will the next scan be okay? Will everything be all right? You know, and and of course you, but you learn to live with that, and you you kind of don't look too far ahead, and you and you try not to look back either, because you know you're you're we're very grateful for for where we are. Um. But I think it's it's to try and it's to try and let people know that you do feel very alone. That's the one thing I will say. Like because the longest admission Olivia had at any one time was four and a half months, and that was in the UK. So like I was lying, you know, next to her bed for four and a half months. Um, there was one stage where I didn't see or hold my son for like two months of that. Because it was a case of like, how do we afford? It got that bad. Um, how do we afford to bring Colin and Christian to London to see his sister and his mum for yeah, a couple of days? Yeah. Like it genuinely was. Like our credit cards were maxed. You know, it it drains your finances at an alarming rate. And of course, you are going to sacrifice everything to put it into your the care of your child. You need your child to get better. That's the one thing. You know, every morning. That's the reason you get up. Is, is to hope that they'll be okay. And, like, it's all of these things. Like, there, there, there has to be an easier way. Like, this this is an ongoing issue. And, and I remember having a conversation with, with Brendan and, and Terry about this, you know, when, when we were chatting about me coming, you know, on board with the charity. And, and I said, we're the forgotten families. You know, there's, there are, like, as I said, the 4,000 families in Ireland right now who are, you know, hopefully listening to this and saying, oh my God, yeah, this, that's us. Somebody's actually telling people what the reality is. Mm. Like, you shouldn't have to worry about the state of your finances when your child is critically ill because the impact that that has on you is is actually, it just takes your breath away and you, you just really, you struggle so much to comprehend it, to, to take it in. Then you have to, you know, you do your best to become an expert on your child's condition so that you can be up to date and what's happening and, you know, and, and try and allay their fears and and you're, you're trying to keep all of these things going and then you have this financial pressure, these phone calls, these letters and it, 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 it nearly pushed, it pushed me to the edge, like it was awful and that's why when we get those applications into cleaners, 
you know, every month, you know, we read through them. We and I and I can relate to every single one. You of them know, because you know what it is. You I know, know the story. I know yeah. what it is. Yeah, um, that fear, that dread. It's, you, it's just terrible. For people listening, just finally, Susan, today, if they want to reach out to Cleanas, where can they do that? Uh, we make it really easy. It's uh, www.cleanas.ie. Um, and it's you know, just please. We, we, our application process is, is is very simple, straightforward. You know, it's all there on our website. If you need help, please please come and contact us. Um, you know, we're trying, and, and thank you for giving us the opportunity yeah, to no, get the no, awareness no out today, Andrea. We really appreciate it. I mean, so far this year, we've actually just to put it in perspective, we've we've helped 135 families. Wow. So that's 308,000 euro. And last this time last year, it was 69 families. So the need is increasing is, all of the absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't think and, anyone yeah. will, will will deny, you know, the, the financial help and, and support to families going through something like God, this. No. Susan, no. Listen, I really appreciate you joining us today on the show. Thanks so much Not for your time. Not Andrea. Thanks so much. A pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.